Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and today it's the annual end of year Christmas party with Keelan and Ashling. We're doing it remotely this year. Hello, Ashling. Hi. Hello, Keelan. Hello. <laughs> uh, how are you guys doing? How are you doing? Uh, you're both in Cork, I think, at the moment. I'm now up in Dublin. That's my big news from, from this year. I've made the move up to Dublin. So uh, how, t- tell me everything about Cork, Keelan. How's it, how's it going? um yeah it's the mo it's just boring everything's really boring all the time <laughs> yeah yeah that's, that's <laughs> like i have no stories to tell anyone so that's all you're getting <laughs> um ashling how was uh your 2020 before we get into the music we'll be talking about um our, our favorite albums some of our favorite music moments of the year various other bits and pieces hopefully a bit of a kind of a freewheeling kind of uh podcast but ashling how was uh your year first of all how long do you have? <laughs> My year was a pile of shite and um, also grand and nothing. All of those things. And sometimes it was okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think that that's everyone's answer at this point is that like, you know, I feel like this year anything that I thought I knew just got turned up on its head. Um and for a while, I tried to fight that, and then I just went with it. And um, yeah, now I'm back in my childhood bedroom. <laughs> uh, you've kind of left music behind as well. You're working now with um, Court Lit Fest up in Galway, which is uh, amazing. That's uh, one of my favorite book festivals uh, around. So looking forward to what you uh, come up with this year or next year in 2021. Yeah, um, yeah. I've only I've only been. This is like the this, today marks my third week of working with Court. Yeah, I suppose it's it's a weird one because like I feel like I left music behind in quotation marks along like you know I stopped working in March along with a lot of people in the industry. So it feels like it's not even that I left it behind. It just like like dissipated or like you know disappeared in my hands. <laughs> I'm not even trying to sound too down about it because like it's just again as I was saying it was kind of like like I I had a job at the start of the year I was furloughed for a while and then I was let go from my job and changed my whole life moved to London thought that was going to work for about seven weeks and then got a job in Galway so that's what I'm doing now yeah so um I haven't wholly left music behind I'm still sending lots of voice notes to friends of mine who are working in music and talking to them about it so I feel like that that's my contribution um and yeah like when live music is back up and running I'll be involved like I can't not be in some you know shape or form so it's not it's not the end of me yet Owen (laughs) um and what about you uh Keelan how have you been getting on I've I've enjoyed seeing your various St Keelan performances on my phone on the tv over the course of the year you've been doing a couple of live streams uh yeah that that was kind of that's pretty much all I've been doing. Uh, <laughs> like, it was nice to get asked by a few people, and it was kind of daunting to do concerts in my sitting room. And uh, it's funny. We'll, we, I feel like all artists will like learn this new skill of like how to host, and then it will just it'll just go away, and no one will ever need to know that <laughs> skill anymore. Um, so yeah, getting a bit better at that, and then look, uh, like I was very lucky actually. I in the middle of those that month where. There was a few concerts allowed happen around the country. I got to play up in the Workman, supporting Ultramond, and I got to play a few shows in the Kino. We did a, a John Prine tribute uh, weekend. It was just meant to be one show, and then we just sold out like five shows in a row or something. So 
yeah, I was very lucky to get to play probably as much music as there was to be played this year. And also I'm working in the keynote, so we're doing some live recordings as well at the end of the, like currently uh, to be released next year. So that's kind of filling in my whatever anxiety I'd have about doing nothing. And artistically, Keelan, uh, how have you actually found it? Did you kind of go through what it seems like so many people have gone through, which is uh, just like, oh, I wasn't feeling creative. And then I started doing stuff and I started writing and figuring it out and everything. Or were you just like, uh, not not dealing with this, like at the start, like when to coronavirus hit? I, I actually, you know, I'm sure lots of other kind of creative people will be like this, but I, I loved it. I, <laughs> it was time to do stuff that I had like been talking about for ages and playing instruments that I've had in my room but never like you know I picked up the mandolin that I haven't played in five years and now I'm getting handier at that and playing a bit of trad with my housemate Roisin and yeah I've I've loved it and I I kind of as soon as it happened it was like I'm not going to spend any day not trying to learn something new so I mean that's kind of worn off but the first five or six months like I was keeping myself pretty busy uh, learning how to read music and stuff like that so I enjoyed <laughs> the, I enjoyed lockdown one this second level five thing has been a bit uh, I've I, I've watched a lot of the Sopranos let's just say that much yeah it's been a lot tougher hasn't it uh have, have you found it Ashling? you moved back from London like back to Cork yeah I was in London and it was so funny because I was going to come home anyway at the end of November or in the middle of November because um, it was very glaringly obvious that I wasn't going to get a job in London before the end of the year. And because London was in lockdown and I kind of presumed that it would continue past the four weeks because I thought they had more sense than that. But they don't. So my plan was to come home for the last two weeks of Irish lockdown so that I could isolate at the same time and not have to do an extra two weeks of isolation. But then I literally got the job with Kurt like a week before. So in that week, I was like, OK, I'm just going to pack up my whole life now again for the like because I moved I moved out of my house in Cork up to my parents house and then I moved to London and then I moved back from London to my parents house. And then I will be moving from there to Galway in January. So I think the thing I upskilled most in this year is <laughs> being re- able to move really quickly. So if anyone needs help with that, hit me up. Ashling, you've had the busiest 2020 the whole world. I did nothing as well, though. I've managed, I don't know how, but in the last, like, so I'm home, like, what, like, four weeks-ish, like, three and a half weeks. I've managed to watch five seasons of Real Housewives in New York City. So, <laughs> you know, I'm getting, I'm getting my me time as well. Don't worry, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, before we kind of uh, start talking about some of the more musical side or kind of the more current stuff of um, 2020 just kind of more generally uh, how was your relationship with music this year like say when the pandemic hit and everything kind of changed like I've, I've just been thinking about it myself just in terms of like I've been lucky I've been able to to work from home from the beginning I guess uh, it's, it's kind of like uh, now when people are asking me oh how are you getting on I'm like yeah, still working from home, still in uh still in the same room, still just doing the exact same thing, you know, like it's just it's just become very very repetitive now, but the big plus side has been that I've just had music on like constantly throughout my working day, uh which is really nice on the one sense, but I was just thinking about it just in terms of this uh end of year roundup stuff. I find that I've been listening kind of more passively to music. I'll kind of put it on in the background, but then just when work is 
kind of getting busier i found myself almost zoning out phoebe bridges is an album that we'll be talking about later i'm sure uh that's my most played album this year but i still feel like i haven't actually properly connected with it just because uh, i haven't really really actively listened to it loads um because you know, like I have my my earphones in earlier listening to music, but I have to listen to podcasts a lot because I have a, a weekly podcast column with the Irish Examiner. So usually with my headphones, I just use them for listening to podcasts. So I, I don't actually listen to music with them a lot. And I feel like uh, you, you get a completely different um, outlook on an album or a new new way into an album when you're listening like really actively really with no other distractions with the actual um earphones in so i'm just curious as to like what ye did with your music maybe at the start or maybe throughout uh the year like did you find yourselves going back to listening to old music or like completely disengaging from uh music and the discourse and everything uh maybe ashling if you want to go first um, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I also just wanted, I would have said in the middle of that, like you're Mr. Podcast when you were talking about your podcast, but I realized that now saying that comment doesn't really make any sense, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, <laughs> it was funny because obviously I have a Spotify account. I buy a lot of music and I have Spotify so that I can listen to the music that I buy easily on my phone. And one came out and say, You don't need to explain yourself here. <laughs> I think I think the Spotify conversation is something for another time, but it's just something. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just it's it's interesting to me. But anyway, the Spotify Wrapped thing. It like when I saw that playlist, I like didn't recognize it because at the start of lockdown, um, I leaned heavily when I wasn't working. I was also like super burnt out at the start of lockdown uh, because like um, I'd been working with Keelan in the Kino, and we'd had like a really intense like. Sp- pretty much since the previous September mm-hmm. when the keynote opened, we were like working nonstop. So when March hit and like, you know, you know, that like that picture of Marge in the Simpsons where she's like sitting, but she's not sitting on the chair. <laughs> yeah. She's like hovering into, that's the way I felt for like a month. I was like, but work. So I started doing loads of radio shows with DDR uh, to fill my time. So I did Shanda Family Band, which was a gorgeous show I did with Roy Dale and Francesca de Boyle Pisco her full title and uh, she so we did that because we all lived together and it was a nice way to kind of like make sure that we were actually seeing each other even though we we're in the same house and then I did one with Louise Bruton called Pop Dungeon which was great crack and Louise is just like the queen of pop in like she knows everything so it's just it was such a an education for me and it made me listen to loads of albums I've never I would never would have listened to which is reflected in my top five which we'll come back to later but yeah so at the start of lockdown I was like listening to a lot of stuff but like listening to the same albums over and over again so then when I saw the Spotify wrapped thing I like was like this this feels like a different person to me this feels like a different time um so I think yeah I definitely like leaned on a lot of like really familiar songs and I would make these playlists either for the radio show or for other bits and pieces and I just listen to those playlists over and over again when I go out for walks and stuff so there's a lot of bits of songs when they come into my head they really bring me back to like April and May when we were all extra terrified I think I was way more scared then than I am now I was like I like thought everyone was the enemy <laughs> was afraid to like breathe so yeah yeah it's uh 
it's it's weird listening to it's ruined a lot of music for me i would say <laughs> yeah i know what you're saying like there, there's definitely I, I think i went the opposite way to you owen though i ended up sort of well I, i'm not working <laughs> the way you were like during the afternoons or whatever so i was pretty much either working you know um when when there was live shows still allowed to happen so i was away from out of the house and i would see live music and that was a real treat or else i was just at home really like trying to fill the days funny enough i was telling my girlfriend ruth that i was going to do this and she was like well, how are you going to pick your top five albums all you've listened to is willie nelson all year <laughs> <laughs> i was like wow what a weird burn that <laughs> that really hurt but yeah i i, I start you're right i listened to a lot of um kind of old country music and traditional irish music and even in my top five i think music that you might call kind of woolly jumper music things that are it's very cozy and warm sounding um and it could be from i mean the the five i'd say four 80 percent of the uh, my top five is um is a kind of a uh, a warm sounding folky album um and then everything else i listened to was also just that but from the 70s or you know so yeah there's i think probably the type of year that we had i ended up being like i just want nice things <laughs> uh, but i i would also say that i i remember last year Owen, when you asked me what my favorite show was i didn't realize or my favorite live show i didn't realize this had such an effect on me but um i've just listened to so much pop like i kind of in a way other than the like furry jumper stuff i just listen to pop all the time and i'm kind of like digesting it and trying to i'm trying to learn how to write that type of stuff i don't know who for but I, it's like if that that's something i'd like to be able to learn um it's the same as like sign language i'd like to be able to <laughs> do both you know so yeah i've I've been listening to a lot of pop and I, the reason i was going to say that was because ever since i saw carly ray jepson at primavera i really turned my world around i'm just a i'm a pop fanatic these days it's a year on and the two of you are like nearly crying as you mentioned that. <laughs> I don't know what happened at that show, but it just, I was like, this is just so much better than watching the same thing. Like usually at rock gigs, like nothing happens. It's just like some guitar players kind of far away. But being at a big pop show, I just thought like, if I'm going to go out and see big shows ever again, I'm like, I'm going to go to those type of shows, not... I, I love intimate like rock like small venues for rock bands but like if you're gonna go big go big you know that's what i've discovered so i'm looking forward to seeing some big pop band or pop acts next year hopefully i, th I think carly ray jepson has a uk tour i think it's still being it's still booked um but i still don't think that there's an irish uh date announced so um maybe sometime in the future uh we'll get a carly ray jepson it's a date uh, uh Owen. a gig yeah that'll be great um just before we <laughs> get into the i want to see what the fuss is about i'll come with you because i just want to i want to know i want to oh. i want to i want that that experience this is giving me something to look forward to for next year <laughs> um j just before we go into the uh albums uh you, we we've already kind of talked about live streams um if you want to just talk about maybe some of your favorite ones uh this year maybe like even the first one that kind of made you made you kind of sit up and and like really really enjoy it um I'm, I'm guessing we actually probably all have the first like great live stream in mind it was the mary wallopers on on saint patrick's day yeah Nishi was the first one They've been doing it consistently throughout the year as well. I don't know if they're like the the number one masters of their craft, but uh, they've been brilliant throughout the year. It's kind of something to look forward to. It feels like a communal 
uh experience as well among like their fans you know a couple of my friends like you guys would be watching and you know you'd see people talking about it all the time so uh it's been great watching that and just this past weekend uh, i think other voices has been unbelievable um throughout the year i think they've put on like was it 23 uh live stream shows i think and then they had their festival at the weekend so i think they're um absolutely at the top of the game uh in terms of quality and uh size of the acts as well they got hosier i mean hosier last weekend uh in the church which was uh which was amazing um and it was it was nice for some of the bands who were involved who got to play in St James's church as well that uh they got to actually play in there and i think that really does mean something for uh the bands as well yeah i thought it was great to see a lot of irish acts or mainly irish acts there was a few obviously like mark lanigan and a few others but it was great to see a, a huge lineup of um a weekend full of irish acts that are doing really well and, and just writing and recording brilliant stuff at the moment so that was great i thought yeah and there seems to be like a real like um sense of pride and even from that from in the irish scene at the moment as well which like definitely existed before but i feel like there's way more evidence of it now one of my favorite things about the live streams is as you were saying on is like that sense of community i was at the spilt milk spilt milk festival last weekend online and the chat box is just lovely because like even if you're not participating and you don't really understand what's going on it's still lovely to see friends pop up and it's like oh hi this person hi that person and someone's making loads of in jokes and you know but like it's it's nice um and uh and then even like when when the Lang when Langham had the live stream, I did like a group chat on WhatsApp, and that was like really good fun because it was just really silly and also everyone in awe and um, like I felt way more connected to people during live shows doing that kind of stuff than I would have if I was sitting in a room of like a thousand people, you know. Yeah, for sure. I the one other thing that's really great that's kind of unexpected is like the accessibility or like that community and the accessibility that goes with it being able to include not being able to include but people being able to be included who wouldn't normally get to go to shows or you know it's there's such a really beautiful community of uh just gig goers and stuff that's kind of expanded through live streaming and then connecting online as well and stuff like that so that's uh, I don't know if there's some way of, I think that's something to talk about for the future is like how to keep that going and how to include include as many people as possible that could get to see live shows. That was like one of the feedback that Quirsh uh, got loads of uh, because it was one of the first festivals that kind of did a lot of their events online this year. Um, big shout out to Sasha for making that happen. I had nothing to do with it. It was mostly Sasha, so fair play. But um, there was a lot of there was a couple of people who wrote in and said like you know I I don't like going to gigs because of big crowds because of you know you know people who are autistic and things like that may not like like that surrounding or people who are nervous about being in big crowds or um, you know for whatever reason accessibility of venues isn't the best in Ireland let's be honest like you know the actual accessibility for wheelchair users is not great so yeah no, it's not. Yeah. yeah even like yeah it's great to uh have a solution like this but then also yeah the the conversation does need to go further when venues reopen as to how they can be even more accessible in f the physical form yeah for sure 
Uh, just one one final thing, Keelan. Like, since since you're the only one who's actually played a uh, live stream, um, are they are they really weird to do from an artist's point of view? Like, you're just kind of playing to like a, to like your phone or, or kind of a, a, a camera. Yeah, I mean they're weird to do, but I think I think it probably exposes the the you that you. <laughs> this is what I think. A lot of people when they go on stage they're like all right stage time baby let's go i've got my even if it's not like a costume it's like a stage kind of persona and i think it the live stream kind of pulls that down a little bit to be a little bit more um oh i, t- I can't i'm not forgetting the word but it's it's like just more relaxed and maybe some people don't want that i i'm kind of lucky and that's already how i did gigs <laughs> um i um to uh to shake or him when i'm playing with them hate that i do this but like i take the thing a bit too too more too chill really compared to what everyone else is wanting from a concert and um i like to make the thing feel like everyone's just in a sitting room already so that kind of helped in a couple of the things i did i was i was sort of um as the brits would say i was oven ready for a <laughs> for a gig in a, my own sitting room and stuff like that but yeah i i also really like it it really it, you get to kind of feel people out a bit more when you're watching them and and i think that's probably why the merry wallopers are so successful because they are just kind of gas and and very they have a lot of charisma <laughs> already so it's, it's yeah i mean there is i would say I've watched a few and I thought, oh, that wasn't really good. But if you don't have that charisma, but you just got really good songs or whatever, it actually works <laughs> the opposite way. Um, it's hard to keep a show, a live show going um, when people are kind of hoping that you might chat a little bit. If, if you don't have that, that's probably a bit more difficult, I'd say. I, I will just add my other stream that's not uh, the Lancome one, or but it is another Voices one. But I thought Denise Chyla's oh, yeah. one kind of at the start was like, laying down the gauntlet for what a live stream could be yeah it was it was absolutely magic i feel like it's a thing that we will all talk about for a million bajillion years um it was just yeah everything and so simply done as well there was no like tricks there was no like you know when you talk about a pop show and you've got all the stuff going on with that it was just mm. it was just her laying it all out there just like yeah you know oh yeah i cried so much watching that <laughs> yeah it was fantastic yeah that was the first time that i heard uh chyla as well i think it was the first time that i had heard uh chyla and and that was a song that stood out and then ever since then uh it, it's like it's been in a, a an add-on tv it just seems to be everywhere and it's done amazing things for denise uh it's about time really you know we've all been saying really great things about her for a couple of years um uh, like I was reading Dean Van Wyn's top 20 Irish uh, rap songs of the year, which is always a, a great list for people to uh, delve in further into the Irish rap scene. And he says that it's probably the most ubiquitous uh, Irish rap song uh, since Horse Outside by Rubber Bandit. So that'll tell you the the kind of the size of it, which is 10 years old, by the way, this this week. Okay, 
Okay, so so here it is. Uh, Owen Keelan and Ashling's uh, top five countdown, top fifteen countdown of twenty uh, twenty. Keelan, do you want to go uh, first with your number five pick for album of the year? Yes, uh, number five. It was really close, neck and neck. <laughs> and I actually told you guys what my number five was yesterday. And as you were guessing, you you guessed wrong. And I thought, oh no, that's actually what my number five is. So I had uh, the Roisin Machine by Roisin Murphy as number five. But to be honest. I listened to the Dua Lipa album a lot more um, and it kind of got me through. The rest of my list is quite somber <laughs> um, and <laughs> this is probably when I needed some you know, hot bangers to put on while I was cleaning the kitchen. This is what got me through some dark days. Um, I think it's yeah it's brilliant like it's a brilliant uh, it's it's got the kind of disco thing that that Lady Gaga also had but I think just the production's much uh, smarter or, or cleverer or something and the songwriting is probably what really gets us in there um i've probably had if i listen to one of these songs it's in my head for 10 to 20 days straight i'll wake up singing that one of that songs and i think um uh levitate the the new version with the baby on it it just makes me so happy it's the best it's just the best song i think it would be my possibly song of the year i think it's been so interesting seeing someone like dua lipa like someone who was primed to be the biggest star in the world having to release an album in lockdown and seeing how she actually made it work uh, i didn't get to see her her big live stream show studio 2054 a couple of weeks ago because uh i was working so i couldn't uh watch it but it sounded like it was great and it sounds like she's pretty much at the level where she would have been like in uh in a normal year anyway i think you know she she's been on all of the u.s chat shows and everything she's been doing everything that she would have done anyway apart from playing like uh huge gigs around the world uh like i had tickets to see her in the three arena in the summer um and uh i I presume she would have played bigger and bigger shows across the year but apart from that it still feels like she's one of the biggest pop stars in the world right now doesn't it yeah and i think you know there's like speaking of seeing live stuff you know i'd love to go see carly ray jepson with everyone next year but i think the thing that i'd be looking forward to seeing is a, a dua lipa live show now i've seen a few i saw her npr tiny desk and that's really good that's brilliant and i think yeah you're right she, she'll probably have the year you know on this on the circuit man uh that she would have had this year she's definitely in terms of like output what the first the first album was really good but i just thought this was like speaking very too soon but it could be the best thing she'll do <laughs> it's just re- it's just it's it feels like someone at the peak of their powers is kind of what it, what i mean to say what's your uh, number five album ashling okay i'm going to start off with a joint number five i don't know how allowed it is but i'm going to do it so both albums actually i feel are quite similar in a weird way uh, but also extremely different. So first one is Charlie XCX's How I'm Feeling Now. And the second is Petrol Factory by Rising Damp. In a way, I feel like the two albums have a lot of similarities because they're kind of like, they're just really good dancing albums, like kind of similar dancing as well. So I never really listened to Charlie XCX before this year. Um, I again this was one of the albums that Louise kind of gifted to me I would say she wrote a really good article about it in Rogue and when I read that I was like okay cool let's let's give this a shot and I really enjoyed like I didn't watch it at the time but watching back on a lot of the content of how she built that album with uh with her fans and kind of like was like right I'm going to make an album in lockdown I'm going to release it straight away so it really captured that feeling of like missing your friends 
wanting to dance and kind of like you know for her she was in lockdown with her partner and you know the, the stresses of that and like you know absolutely adoring someone and in one second and hating them the next and loving them again and that kind of roller coaster and it's just got absolute bangers on anthems is one of my favorite songs of the year um and it's just such a simple message of just like i want to go out and get really fucked up with my friends so yeah that's that's charity xcx and then rising dams petro factory it's just like Rising Dam shows were like one of my favorite shows um, back when we did those things. And because like, it's just so much fun and this album is so much fun. There's some like really serious songs and there's some serious things being said, um, like uh, recognize fascism, which is just a really good instruction manual about how to recognize fascism around you. Um, But then you've got songs like My Motorbike, which (laughs) is just literally like the the main line it is like riding around the field with no brakes. like over and over again she did an amazing video for the spilt milk live stream last week where it was her like on an exercise bike and like all of these like video games in the background of like different biking kind of stuff so they are they are joint my number five because they helped me have a lot of fun this year on my own where the time goes bandcamp.com if people want to uh hear that uh mm-hmm. i think So, okay, so we were talking about this beforehand and we were talking like, what kind of a top five are we going to do? I, I actually decided to, I, I did out an international albums of the year, um, but I, I think I'll keep to an Irish albums of the year and maybe just race through the, the international ones uh, later because they're they're, they're pretty um, obvious, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll also do a joint uh, number five perhaps uh since since uh you've both done one um bleeding heart pigeons with stir and well i think keelan is going to mention it later so maybe we'll talk about uh neave regan hemeth uh later on if if my prediction is correct keelan that she might feature well later let let me just link this all together my number four is neave regan hemeth so here we go this is beautiful (laughs) <laughs> bleeding heart pigeons are a band who i've always thought of as ambitious i remember hearing them like eight or nine years ago this three-piece from limerick who very much had uh, radiohead at the heart of their sound and they were going with big seven eight nine minute epic kind of tracks uh that were about um the columbine massacre massacre in uh america and they seemed to be doing really well they were getting featured on pitchfork and then suddenly they kind of disappeared for a couple of years and they all kind of came back to limerick and just michal keating has kind of honed his production work and he's actually doing a lot with uh the limerick music scene um i talked to him on the point of everything podcast earlier this year and he was talking about how he kind of felt apart from it 
for a long time but eventually he kind of found his way in and has begun working with people i think they've actually put out a couple of remixes uh with some people in the limerick music scene as well but stir is the album that they released earlier this year again it feels ambitious but it also feels like they've really come along in their sound and they've kind of left those radiohead those obvious radiohead sounds a little bit behind there's a lot more electronics on this album and i just think it's it's just a really really uh strong album strong confident album from a band who i I think are just getting stronger and stronger every every time that i hear about them um i don't know i think you're you're a big fan of uh, bleeding heart pigeons aren't you ashling yeah i like they were kind of on my albums of note you know the the ones like that would have been probably like six seven eight you know but um i think a real connection is like one of my favorite songs of the year there's like there's like as i was saying there's like bits of the songs come into my head like all the time when i'm trying not to think about anything and that bit in a real connection where it's like uh is just constantly <laughs> just coming into my brain just when i'm trying to like <laughs> it's just a great it's a great bit of a song um yeah i think i i still haven't like gotten into the whole album together but um i really like what they do and like yeah i think you're right i think that they've really they've written some really smart songs on this like they're everything is like very considered but um like it's worked out you know the way sometimes like those 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 songs can be a bit too much when everything is a bit too considered but this i think it sounds really good i'm very excited to see what they do and i can't wait to see them live again at some point they're they're a type of band that i kind of need to see live to get into them like i've really i've listened to the album a few things times and i really enjoy it but for some reason over the last few years guitar bands are something that i i'll listen to the album and i'll enjoy it but i won't really get it deep into them until i've seen them live or something so um yeah i can't wait to see them live i wonder is this actually a guitar album yeah i know what you mean it's a synthy album really i know that they listen a lot to anomi hall and the drummer i think are obsessed with deer hunter who are like one of my all-time favorite bands as well. I think it's so weird to have like a favorite band, but they're the one that I give most of my time to. Um, but yeah, I can hear a lot of that kind of like weird sound, you know, the kind of like the consideredness, but then they're just letting go of that and seeing what happens. Um, so yeah, I think that the weirder you get, the better. Yeah, the letting go is what I need to see live to really yeah. love something when I see that happen it, it it makes me very happy <laughs> and as for Neve Regan and Hemet uh this kind of came out of nowhere I don't know is that fair to say um I, I hadn't really heard of her uh before um maybe even before the summer I just know that how about that coffee had been doing the rounds it had been on radio quite a good bit um it's a really nice poppy song um uh, I'll probably say this a couple more times but I actually talked to Neve Regan on the point of everything podcast as well and she mentioned how she actually did that thing that you were talking about earlier Keelan she she wrote this song uh with the intention of can I actually write a kind of a popular song a song that would get played on the radio like she didn't she didn't do it like really really intentionally but uh that was kind of what she set out to do with that uh with that song but the whole album i think is just really really delicate really really intimate 
but also she's able to mix it up there are times when she sounds like uh julia jacklin is the name that comes to mind on the likes of uh save the day um so I, ju- I just think she's really really talented i thought that the live stream that she did at other voices uh last weekend was really really special and i think she's got great things in front of her i think she's made a lot of new fans uh this year so uh i've, I've i just find myself coming back to this album an, an awful lot yeah, I think I, it, you're right. It snuck up on me. I hadn't really heard of it. And again, it kind of, I, I listened to it once and thought, oh, that's very lovely. And then sometimes you think, I, at the time, you think I probably won't remember to listen to this again, you know. But actually, I just, I kept coming back to it throughout the throughout the start when it when the whole world felt like it was falling apart. And then in the middle, when it felt like it was getting back together, it, it hit it hit the same tones. It was It was like uplifting and it's, and it's also kind of, I think you're right, delicate. Funny enough, uh, one way I've tried to make m- money this year has been writing um, press releases and bios for other artists and for labels and stuff. And one of the people, um, or, or, or for Neve's uh, PR people, I wrote uh, a press release for her. And I was so happy because it was probably the album I'd listened to the most and could write about easiest. And f- funny enough, two of the words I definitely picked were delicate and intimate um uh so that's odd that we both picked the same thing but i i also it there's a there's a sort of another word i chose at the time was holistic there's a sort of a holistic line that runs through it even though you've got some songs that are just bare boned and then others are kind of um they've got some nice well-placed synth lines in there that are are subtle but they take tonally they take you in another place altogether um so i thought that was something that i loved there's there's a little treat each time you listen to the album that you you hear somewhere else like um i don't know i'm a, i'm a real nerd for drums but there's really lovely drum sounds on this album and yeah the, the little synth lines that come out of nowhere it might take you 20 listens before you go wow that's a really nice line that's in that part of the song so yeah lots of treats in this album i think what's the matter with the keep a drum circles around me why can't I complete a task and feel good at the end of the day? Why don't you turn the TV off or go out and feel the sun on your face? I can't explain the lump of my chest that holds me down, pushes you away. There's no need to worry that way Doing it for you, doing it for the kids' sake I wish I could save the day So that was your number four, Keelan. What's your number four, Ashling? Number four, um, and I wonder where it features on your list, Owen, or if it does, uh, is Pillow Queens' debut album. Yeah, that's going to be my uh, number three. Number three, okay, okay, Keelan. It it just missed out. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. My God, all all four pillow queens are crying right now. <laughs> no, I, I did love it, but as I said, mine is there's a thir- a, a, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, a theme for mine, which is a woolly, woolly, warm, folky album. <laughs> which I actually think this album is quite woolly and warm. It wasn't what I was really expecting from pillow queens, like based off their like their first couple of offerings of single uh, the rat single and the favorite ep 
uh, were in, like a lot heavier, but there's some really gorgeous, soft moments in this album that like that just it just stay with me again like I think the thing that I'm really um enjoying about music this year are like the bits of songs that get stuck in my head so um like the I think the verses in Gay Girls are just like absolutely gorgeous and uh like yeah there's just there's just some some really uh some really gorgeous songs on this album like just even from working like myself and Keelan would have worked with the band over the last couple of years and put on a couple of shows with them like I know that they've worked a long time to get to this point of releasing this and they did that event earlier in the year where they did a zoom where they got their fans to kind of like decide what was going to be on the album and if they liked the order and stuff like that which was a really cute event it's just lovely to see it get released and get such a brilliant reaction so go Pillow Queens yeah, um, I may as well talk about it now. It's my number three album of the year. Uh, as as you say, Gay Girls is probably the best track there. I think it's an unbelievable song. One of the best songs to come out of Ireland. Um, but I've loved uh, having Six Music on throughout the year and just hearing them get behind this band over the course of the year as well, particularly with Handsome Wife and Holy Show, two singles uh, over the past oh, couple of months. Holy that- Show is just chef's kiss holy show and <laughs> and brothers as well they're just ones i want to listen to over and over again yeah th- those are all uh the singles and m- maybe they all stand out as the singles as well but then you get something like donamede as well mm. which just seems like the natural live closer too and that's actually something that's an emotion that i associate with this band i almost get sad listening to in waiting because i i get that feeling of oh what could have been if they were able to tour this album this year uh they were supposed to play south by southwest this year they would have killed at all of the music festivals too and you just know that donamede was the song that would send people home uh like arm in arm with each other singing so i kind of actually feel a little bit sad listening to in waiting even though it's an absolute triumph of an album yeah, I agree. I agree. There's just like, it's maybe like, I definitely kind of when it came out, I listened to it loads and then I left it for a while and I wasn't sure why, but that actually makes total sense now. It was that thing of like, I just want to go see them live. I really enjoyed the their show at Other Voices last weekend as well. It was lovely to kind of just see, yeah, it was just lovely to see them all. It's just lovely to see them all playing music. I'm very excited to go to the Queen's show. I can't wait. I'm just going to jump around so much socially distant of course <laughs> uh my well no there's a vaccine now so it'll all be grand we'll all be uh we'll all be um mashing together and uh crowd surfing just like we all did in the past right <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was us yeah just licking each other's faces and crowd surfing <laughs> so so pillow queens is my number three album i'll talk about my number four album uh now it's silverbacks with their debut album fad it came out in the middle of summer and this is very much a guitar album they're a uh one two three four five to six piece um from uh from kildare uh and dublin and i think it's mostly kildare i better get that right uh, i think it's kildare but i think that they have one of the openers of the year in dunkirk it's a single that they've released before but i think it's three minutes that just just doesn't stop um it's an absolutely brilliant way to open the album and it's produced by uh daniel fox of girl band who also did uh the likes of otraman's debut album which came out uh very early in the year the imaginary museum and he also did patty hannah's new one as well but i think that this is 
it's it's his best work of the year just in the band was one of my singles of the year last year and i still think that sounds so great nestled towards the end of this album but it's the likes of pink tide and club silver Buchan, which really really elevate uh, this band, I got to see them a couple of times last year, supporting girl band in um, Manchester in London, and they're a killer live band. And sometimes with a band like that, you wonder, will it transfer to an album? But I think this might be uh, one of the best rock records of the year. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they come up with next, because the likes of um, Up The Nurses and Muted Goal kind of hint as something, um, something more that they have to offer. So uh, yeah, Fad by Silverbacks is uh, my number four album of the year. Album Keelan? Uh, sure thing. It's the most obvious one. <laughs> I I actually wasn't sure if I should even put this in because it's so. It's Taylor Swift's folklore. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, am I just putting this in so I can talk about Taylor Swift for a while? <laughs> but um, yeah, this is probably the this and my number two, which we'll come to, are probably the two albums I've actually listened to the most. Like all males my age. I came to Taylor Swift late because I probably thought I was too good for it or something. But at some stage around like when Reputation, which isn't very good, came out, I was like, oh, there's something good here. And like when Shake It Off came out, I was like, wow, really good songwriting, really love what's going on. So ever since then, I've kind of followed along. But deep down, I was like, I'd love to (laughs) I'd love to hear her the sort of maturity of these songwritings in a bit more of the style of the earlier kind of country stuff that's what I've kind of like oh it'd be great if she if she came back to that because probably it suits what I listen to most you know um and and out of nowhere she arrived with the exact thing that I was like I'd love to see that I didn't think I'd see it for another 10 years but I was sort of just surprised and um it's a slow burner like at the start I was like oh the thing I wished for isn't maybe the thing I wished for but it it really grows on you slowly and just has probably some of her best songwriting so far and there's um really interesting things happening there and kind of cool collaboration between um herself and Jack Antonoff and 
one of Aaron Desner, one of the Desners. Yeah, I, I, I sort of wasn't really as interested in. There's nice production things that are going on, but definitely the songwriting. I don't know who's written what on the album, but it's a really interesting collaboration and uh, has produced probably some of her best work. And then today, as I was getting ready to talk to you, ding dong, there's another album coming out this evening. <laughs> ding dong is how I get excited. <laughs> ding dong. <laughs> and so I'm really looking forward to finding out that she's just written twice the amount of uh, of these type of songs. Um, I don't know if she's featured in your list. I think maybe yours is all Irish. And uh, I think, Ashling, you said maybe you haven't listened to this that much. But I like a big Tay-Tay <laughs> Swifty nerd have been obsessed with it all year. So do you do you hate Lancome now? Like just <laughs> out of like loyalty to Taylor Swift? Um, they would want to shut their mouths <laughs> talking about tea like that i don't know i can't even talk like <laughs> fake swifty yeah that was that was an insane evening on twitter um <laughs> it was great fun if you missed yeah. that day on twitter you have no idea what's going on i don't think i was paying that much attention and so now i'm just kind of like trying to laugh it's along on with the rest of the wikipedia group. page now it's on lancome's wikipedia page that they had an altercation with taylor swift fans <laughs> that's how bad this was do you know what happened owen will we fill you in a little bit uh lancome made a comment about the artwork Lanka made a joke yeah someone of their followers even it wasn't even them it was someone of their followers said like oh there's a kind of a similarity between the the cover of um folklore and Lancome album the live long day and, i think um, they tweeted separately like being like yeah taylor swift go and get your own ideas like stop walking in woods in black and white and obviously everyone who knows Lancome knew that it was a joke but like taylor swift fans went for them and in the space of like half an hour they had like thousands like thousands and thousands of comments just being like like saying really really awful things to them well you you should all shut your mouths about taylor swift anyway that's what i say no do you know what i was going to say though is it's been a funny year for um irish humor going badly on twitter because <laughs> niall horan stands also came for dustin <laughs> it's been an unexpected uh, rivalries <laughs> just before we move on from taylor swift one comment which is mm -hmm. that i I love the collaboration between bonnie Vare and taylor swift on that song i think it's just an unbelievable uh collaboration between the two and secondly a question keelan did you uh, go back and listen to her pops more poppy stuff of the last couple of albums and did, did it make you uh, enjoy them more like kind of as you were kind of getting into more pop stuff and as you kind of figured out this side of Taylor Swift as well? Um, to be honest, I was kind of going that way already, like after 1989 and and what was before that? Red? That's I've been kind of like following along the whole time. And, and you know, I would be kind of like, oh, that's good. Or there's usually the singles are great. And then there might be one or two uh, very kind of clever tracks on the on the album as well. So I was kind of no, I was kind of <laughs> well enough versed in Taylor Swift already, but I guess maybe it's, it's there's another side to the lyrical her like lyrical prowess that like some of the songs have just on the folklore album have you know I can't even uh, maybe twelve verses in one of the songs and I just thought like wow that how is that is real um, showing off <laughs> in terms of songwriting <laughs> and and then actually when you go back you find out she's kind of been doing that since she was like 16 she's a real powerhouse when it comes to writing lyrics and she's so good at writing like a thread that goes from the start to the end um, 
I don't know how to explain that, but like she kind of drags in references. I mean, this is well documented, but her like Easter eggs and stuff. But I, from a songwriting point of view, it's the thing I get the most excited about now. I think, wow, this re- that's really smart the way she just delivered that all in in one song. Um, so yeah, cool. I think we're on to your number three album, Ashling. Number three, feeling free. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think this might be your number one international album, Owen. I'm going to put a, no number two. Uh, Fiona Apple. Fetch the bolt yeah, cutters. Yeah, fetch uh, the bolt cutters. Yeah. Uh, I what, think it's my number reason? three international. Wow. Okay. Okay. So I'm I'm a long time Fiona Apple stan. I've been like founder when I was a teenager. Um, never thought in my late twenties that I would be having conversations about Fiona Apple with my with, with my peers. <laughs> I always thought that she was like she was someone I found when I was a teen and like she's her her writing is so angsty and so like it gave me a very um strange view of what love is at a young formidable age <laughs> there's one line that will always stick out to me from uh, a song called paper bag which is on her second album which has a really long title that I'm not even going to try and remember um, which is hunger hurts, but I want him so bad. Oh, it kills, but I know I'm a mess. He don't want to clean up. And I think that in essence, that lyric is responsible for the creation and the support of soft boys <laughs> over <laughs> the last number of years. Um, Welcome to my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> Example A. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I when I was like, there's a new Fiona Apple album. I don't even think I listened to it first when it came out. It took me like a week or two because I was like, I'm I wasn't ready for this. I wasn't prepared. So I gotta I gotta get ready. It's just gorgeous. I think also what made this album way more enjoyable for me was the amount of like really good uh, journalism around it. So there was that brilliant New Yorker interview. It like I, it was an insight into her life that I never thought I would ever have because she's such a famously private person that I was like, I'm never going to understand what these lyrics are about. I'm never going to understand where she's coming from with this. It was such a treat. It was just such a treat of an album. And what I like about, and I know that there's, there was like a couple of comments on Twitter later in the year, because obviously when the album came out, everyone was talking about how um, how um, important or how brilliant this was. And then everyone kind of moved on. And there was a couple of like, where are the people or where are all the Fiona Apple stands now at? And I think that like, she's just someone I've loved for so long. I don't even feel like I have to like talk about her that much because it's like, we will we'll never meet and we've never met. But I'm like, she knows. She knows I love her. I don't need to be telling everyone about it. You know what I mean? It's, it's that kind of like fandom where it's just, it's in you and you don't have to shout about it all the time which I love that kind of thing so there's obviously some marriages that I'm will never stop talking about but but if you want an apple I'm just like it's like it's in it's in the harsh you know yeah this is uh this is an album which got 10 out of 10 the day before it was released I think if I'm remembering correctly on didn't even have to listen to it but it was a 10 out of 10 (laughs) (laughs) from Pitchfork um so so straight away the hype was there but I kind of love it when an album is really really hyped and you can feel that everybody is talking about it i like when the discourse is kind of like that um i intentionally 
tried not to listen to this album for the past say maybe two months just because I wanted to listen to it again kind of uh, as we were approaching uh, this time here and it still just sounds so great like that first song I Want You To Love Me is just absolutely incredible Um, like she's doing things that haven't really been done before I don't think with in in terms of like however you want to define this album as like a pop album as a kind of a a piano album whatever it is it's just the way that she uses her voice and and the the growing sounds around her like she's literally Mm. using her house as an instrument she's using her dogs as an instrument and paying tribute to one of the dogs uh who died so across this album i think it's i think it's a really really um special album and it's one that's gonna live on and and it's one that kind of arrived in lockdown so i think that um people kind of do not associate it with it but i think this is one of the albums that helped people get through it yeah, like she moved the release forward. It was only supposed to be released in like September, October, wasn't it? And she moved it for, or like her record label moved it forward. But I think like she it'd been sat on for a year or two anyway. So even in any of the interviews, she's kind of just like, yeah, it's I, I've known about this for a long time. It's out there now, you know. Um, and she's not someone who's like reading the reviews and stuff. But I think sometimes um you can forget that like these really great songwriters because I do believe she's an, an one of my favorite all-time songwriters I think that she the things she does with lyrics and the way she plays with chords and kind of really like guts you like really gets into like the core of the emotions of the things she's talking about she's a musician who made me love the piano and like see it in a different light in the same way that like um, I remember when Deer Hunter released uh, Halcyon Digest, they used um, saxophone a lot throughout the album. And it made me look at that instrument in a different way and see it in a different context. So I think that like Fiona Apple has done that for me with the piano. Yeah, I just think that like this album is really interesting. There's some really powerful uh, lyrics in there. There's like a couple of songs that when I listened to the f- them for the first time, like I like I listened to it a lot when I was out walking on my own at the start of lockdown, and it made me like stop, like just completely like stop in the street and um, kind of like have to take a deep breath, <laughs> which is like what she does so well. She just kind of hits you, hits you in the heart. So um, I'm very happy that this album exists and that I've had it for most of this year. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the album, Keelan? You know, it kind of passed me by a little bit. Like, I, I, I was there for the hype as well, and I kind of listened to it. And I, I'm just not really as big a, a fan as Ashling is. So when it died away, I stopped listening. And then I, I just, unfortunately, haven't really gotten back into it. Um, it's, I think maybe one thing I'll say about it is that it's quite so raw that it sometimes kind of frightens me or puts me... Like, it's really, it's a hard listen at times um and in the year that we've had i i don't know if that's something i've gone back to when i've <laughs> wanted to listen to music is something that makes me feel even more open and raw so unfortunately it's not but i think it's it's a great album it's probably something i'll i'll maybe buy and have if i have it on cd or record i think i'll give it a bit more of a chance but yeah there's something frightening about it for me <laughs> she's terrifying she's terrifying yeah. because she just has she doesn't give a shit. She really, and that's what's great about her is that like for her whole career, she's just said whatever she's wanted to say. And she's talked about issues around sexual assault, like in the early nineties when, you know, women didn't talk about that kind of thing. I, I, I really enjoyed like being able to go back and re- revisit all those older albums that I listened to a lot as a teenager. And I did, I did a radio special about her earlier this year. And what was great was to hear 
loads of different people from different backgrounds like you know there was like you know like the I got people to send in voice notes oh and you did a gorgeous one um with uh, saying their favorite lyrics and just hearing the variety of people who kind of have that same love for her was was really um was a really nice thing to get to do and hearing what people what different people like took from each of the lyrics as well was a really nice exercise so i am really happy for her because i think she's just a fantastic artist and i'm glad that she's kind of back on the wave of people appreciating her because i think she deserves more appreciation i agree uh jen pelly wrote the pitchfork review of fetch the bolt cutters and uh the the song that i talked about um for for ashling's radio show was shamika and a couple of weeks ago on pitchfork uh jen pelly uh said that they had actually gotten in contact uh they had found shamika mm. and uh they've actually recorded a version of that song with shamika who turns out uh had a rap career um back in the early noughties wow. and so there's a new version of shamika out there featuring the uh titular cool. Uh, Shamika, which is kind of a nice roundabout, uh, way, uh, a nice kind of conclusion to that um, storyline. We'll continue. I think Pillow Queens are my number three uh, favorite album of the year. So my f- uh, number two favorite album of the year, I'm going to go with Alvaretti, Personal History. Alvaretti is an artist who I've been following for a couple of years and uh, Personal History has been a long time coming, I feel. And when it finally came out in October, right at the start of October, uh, a week or two weeks after Pillow green's debut album they're really good friends uh it it just um fulfilled everything that i had been hoping for with alvaretti and was really surprising in a way as well because i would have primarily had alva as an a kind of an acoustic singer songwriter but this album is it, it is a guitar album uh she's playing it throughout and it kind of is a concept out al- i keep saying it's a concept album but i'm kind of the only one who i hear saying that so i'm kind of reinforcing my own thoughts on this album it's it's a concept album about making your way through your 20s the the highs lows and everything in between uh with that it's got breakups it's got you know self-discovery um and and everything else that you kind of uh have there and i just think she's she's just a brilliant songwriter if i were to um, do a list of who I think are the top five best songwriters in Ireland, I think Alvaretti would um, would be right up there. She recorded it up in Attica Audio Studios with uh, Tommy McLaughlin, and uh, I just think it sounds it sounds great. Um, and and again, like that um, Donamid on Pillow Queens, I think Alva finishes on a track called Self Improvement, which which does that really great thing of it kind of like takes a beat kind of halfway through and then it kind of builds and builds and builds up uh, again so I, I love when an album kind of does that it kind of cuts itself away and then just kind of like really really uh tur- turns it up so um i love this album i think personal history is a, a great album I spent my 20s trying to
your number two album of the year Keelan what 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 are you plumping for um yeah this is by far my most listened to but um there is something I love a little bit more than it but um the Laura Barling album song for our daughter um again these things are kind of conducive with what's been happening but this album came out like at the t- uh, I think the 10th of April so almost four weeks after the lockdown started uh just when I w- you were starting to kind of get used to what was happening and <laughs> in, in a way kind of find your feet and this was sort of the warm blanket that I w- required at the time pretty interesting like I think when I read about it at the start the whole thing was that this was some sort of album to her daughter that didn't exist yet and I don't know if that's exactly true because not not all of the songs really work in that narrative but I think what it does set up is uh, a lot of intimacy on, on the album and there's a lot of I don't know what the word is but it's sort of it it brings back the idea of home in in lots of the songs but in very different ways so the, thematically or something it, it feels like there's a kind of a through line about settling down and and kind of warmth and home and all these kind of things it was it was ideal for uh one month into lockdown but um really great songs uh there's some i mean there's some highlights but honestly uh uh, there's some great just songs the whole way through. There's not really a bad song in it, but uh, Alexandra, the first song, is my most listened to on my Spotify Wrapped because I've listened to this album so many times, start to finish, that it's it's the first one there. Um, the uh, title track song for a daughter is brilliant. Um, Strange Girl is probably the song that's actually mostly like a song for a daughter that doesn't exist yet it's a fantastic song and it it does there's a line in it about um it's all about just the idea of a girl kind of growing up and all the things that she'll go through and at one point i mean laura marling i think comes from quite quite a bit of money i'm, I'm not too sh- I, it's not no money anyway um but there is a funny line that always makes me laugh where she kind of says that like that she's bound to go through a period where she flirts with socialism is kind of the the meaning of the line which i i thought was like i just makes me skate laughing so much it's kind of like <laughs> from someone i've been in the uh, socialist party since i was 15 so i was like hey <laughs> that's not a flirtation that's <laughs> it's for good um so there's lots of little gems in there that make me lyrically make me quite like excited and um yeah i can't really recommend it enough it's it's been the it's got me through lockdown i would say <laughs> you have mentioned um my favorite song uh from laura marling one of my songs of the year is held down the second track on the album which is a really simple two chord um pop track but man that is that is one that gets uh right to my heart yeah that is yeah to be honest there's no bad songs in it but that's that was obviously my number two because it's track two on the album um and i think I've probably started to try nick a couple of things that she does. She's a lot of uh, a lot of the songs are in kind of open tuning or even a tuning that's like just two notes, and it leaves a lot to ha- like it leaves a lot of s- space and and the other instruments can kind of fill in with very tasteful, nice things just because the, the guitar is only kind of playing uh, usually usually two notes or an open chord there, um, and held down is probably the best example of that where it's it really the the pain the pain of the song comes really like up comes open at you and it's very open-hearted but um weirdly i was i was going to use the same word as we talked about the fiona apple that song also kind of scares me a bit it's uh it's very raw i think i think i think women being scary is uh is a good thing 
And I think it's something <laughs> that like, I've been called scary a lot in the last couple of years. And at first I uh, thought it was a bad thing. <laughs> and it's not, you know, so I think women being terrifying is actually just women being open and honest and raw. And it's just not something we're used to seeing so much of. So yeah, bring it yeah. on. It's funny that you say that because I think when, you know, when I think of Laura Marling, I think of all the years, she's really voiced her kind of problem with the way she's been treated in the, whatever, in the music industry, but more so portrayed as this sort of darling of folk slash kind of needs to be protected or something. She's she's really rallied, rallied against it. And at times I think she's even spoken about how she's that's gone into her work in a, in a negative way. She's not kind of liked to write about that. Mm. But this album was really great to listen to because it was sort of someone to me felt like that's what I was talking about earlier the return of home or kind of returning to this place where you're kind of like fuck all this noise like this isn't really what I'm about and this was felt to me like even thematically about writing to a daughter to a younger self or something like this um it felt like the most rounded and like well kind of uh, a place of just real I don't know what the word is truthfulness i guess i think we're on to your uh number two album of the year ashling number two and this is a controversial inclusion because it's not technically an album but um i saw someone else put it in their favorite album list so i'm going to put it in mine and it's denise chyla go bravely uh which is technically a mixtape but number one mixtape of the year number two album <laughs> of the year um I well I, see I'm I'm a big fan of these these mixtape ideas like you know no name has uh, has I think really kind of captured the kind of mixtape idea what I love about this is that like it's just like it's a little it's a little taster it's an introduction it's a hey this is who I am get ready and um like I think we've all we've all kind of been keeping an eye on Denise over the last couple of years and have all been like waiting for this moment for everyone else to realize how absolutely utterly brilliant she is i just love it it's one that i've listened to a lot the production on it is gorgeous and i think that i think Merley did a lot of the production on this and i think songs like move and uh go bravely the title track um and on shaw they're just like I think anyone who's who's uh, chatted to Denise or even seen her speak on the Late Late Show and stuff like that, like she's someone who the minute you meet her, she's just like, who are you? Tell me exactly who you are. What's your passion? And I, what I like about a lot of the songs on this this mixtape is that they're they're like these like mini inspirational speeches, especially on Go Bravely. It's just like, you know five minutes of someone just being like hey you can do this you've got this everything you're 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 doing great you just gotta keep going and keep that chin up and i think especially this year um it's what it's what i've needed to hear i think that's something like a theme that runs throughout this that i really enjoy as well is that like when Denise kind of started working with Russ and Gano family, there definitely were a lot of people who were like, yeah, you've got to do something. You have to do it now. You have to, you know, monopolize on this. And she waited. She waited until she was ready to, to release music. She waited until she was ready to like say what she needed to say. And a lot of the, a lot of the songs in this reflect that kind of like needing to, needing time, needing time to think and there not being anything wrong with that. Because I think sometimes, especially 
a lot before this year, there was a feeling like everything had to be really immediate. Everything had to happen straight away. But I think 2020, especially for me, has just thought that like, you know, sometimes you just need to stop. You need to stop and kind of take a step back. Um, Chyla, obviously, we've talked about that already, but Jesus fucking Christ, like that... <laughs> <laughs> it just it's another one of those songs that like every so often I'll just hear the like the little guitar riff in my head just going round and round um it's a song that's really like united so many of my friends like um I think like um an album that a previous kind of release that really did that as well was Lemonade by Beyonce it was like an album where everyone collectively had it together and I think the child also has that effect like everyone just kind of starts silently singing it together and then it's just this big chant and um I yeah I'm so I'm so happy for Denise I'm so delighted for her um I and as well for God knows and Merley like I was I wanted to like talk about Merley in like kind of songs as well but I just think that like the stuff he's been producing this year and like even before this year, the the Intangibles EP, I don't know if it came out in 2019 or 2020, but like it was kind of something I really listened to in 2020 and it's just so smart. It's so good. The production is gorgeous and the way he plays around with his own production is great. So I love Denise and I love Go Bravely. So yeah, no, I, I like I'm a big fan of Denise's. I'm a big fan of all of those guys. Uh, it's not on my list, mainly because I just haven't listened to it as much. That's probably just the different vibe I've been on. I would say that one thing that jumps out at me that I think is is um, nothing. This is, this is more. Let me. I'm just going to have a little whinge. Um, is that like Denise is everywhere, man. She's on other voices. She's great she's doing a great job she's on the front cover of magazines she's on a little woods ad and then i look at the irish radio who you think should be like this is tailor-made this should every people are outside of you know like people are families are listening to this song together and getting down with it and irish radio is just the same shite as always and and denise's like success but not being portrayed on the radio is something that like uber pisses me off because she is kind of pop star you know uh, 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 as would say uh the biggest pop star we have and i was like oh see matt might come for me <laughs> she but, will um, she's already like on her way down to court <laughs> to kick you up the hole yeah yeah she heard me <laughs> but yeah i just it is something that annoys me i wonder why you think of it what you guys think of that because it's just so obvious that it should be played like playlisted it should be supported because and she's getting that support elsewhere and yeah, she was on the late late the late late show with Sharon Shannon. Was I thought that was great. It was real real fun. And I <laughs> one yeah. or two people around me were like complaining about it. I was like, "Would well, take a day off? Will you just relax about it?" <laughs> I think it was interesting to see that report uh, this year about Irish Radio. And I think it's something that we've all known for a while. And I think that a lot of people who are reading that report already know the problems. <laughs> yeah, you know, we already know that this is an issue. But like, yeah, I think uh, I know that like Chyla. I don't think it didn't get. Uh, playlisted on 2fm and i don't understand why and like i really think that radio stations uh don't understand the power they have to create fans for an artist um and i think that there's a lot and i think we've talked about it in pre like maybe even last year on this on the same podcast is like i don't understand i just don't understand it because like you know there's a lot of 
any conversations I've heard about talking to radio stations about playlisting Irish acts, they're like, oh, you know, we have to play what people want to listen. But like, if you listen to anything enough, like when I used to work in an office where the radio was on all the time, I started liking all of those pop songs. And because I was hearing them all the time, I wouldn't have liked them otherwise. So, um, you know, people will like what you play for them. So I think that Irish radio in general needs to take a bit more responsibility for supporting the acts in it. Because like, I can't think of two more radio ready songs this year than I Want to Be a Cowboy Baby by CMAT, which we'll get to in a while, because I feel like we need to do a whole hour talking about <laughs> the rise of CMAT and um, and Chyla by Denise Chyla. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's emba- I think it's, em- it's actually embarrassing, to be honest, that those aren't... Yeah. Uh, played as much as feckin' the cranberries, which is never off the radio. <laughs> we'll leave that point there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I guess like if this is what she's doing on a mixtape, just wait for the debut album uh, next year. And and so we're up to our favorite uh, albums of the year, and this is one that um really really came out of nowhere for me. My favorite, uh, well, let's say Irish album of the year, Keen Kavanagh's Dog Person. I have listened to him over the years and just the standalone singles, they haven't done that much for me. The likes of Coca-Cola Sky, uh, I enjoyed, but I kind of, um, kind of forgot about when, when it was released, uh, last year, but man, listening to this album in its entirety together is just so, so great. It's 27 minutes. It's pretty much the same length as Kojak's, uh, debut album. They're obviously, uh, both on Softboy Records together. Kean is on Kojak's album uh kojak doesn't make a reciprocal appearance here but i just don't think that there's a wasted second on king kavanagh's album i was reading a great uh track by track on uh clash with him when it was uh released um about the the second song it's called uh roll over and uh kian says this song is about when you start drinking and then you're not able to stop drinking um so that might give you <laughs> an idea of uh of what it's about it's it's kind of a guitar album um but but it's just very much uh its own thing i think it's uh i think it's just brilliant i've i've just had it on non-stop over the past two months i got the vinyl there and uh it, it's just a really nice well put together uh release from the album artwork to just his voice which sounds really vulnerable when it has to and really just you know like young lad when it needs to like there, there's a line on um on one of the songs where it's just him uh kind of over a playful uh guitar line it's just him going uh i, d- I don't know was it actually a, a proper conversation that they were having like uh here somebody better come out drinking somebody better come out sessioning and uh it's it's just got that <laughs> young uh playful vibe and I, I just think it's a really really great tight album so that's my favorite uh irish album of the year not one that i would have predicted even three months ago but um man i think that this album is so good like like not one little bit of uh anything that i can think would take away from this i'll be honest i have not listened to it yet and i forgot about it and now i'm like really really excited to go listen to it because I kept being like, I'll listen to that next and then would forget. So that's tomorrow's job. Yeah, it's, it's surprising that it hasn't uh, gotten much 
much attention. I don't think he's done much press for it for whatever reason. Um, and that kind of seems to be the thing. Like, I think he's number 10 in Nyla Nine's um, best albums of the year. And he's saying, you know, deserves more listens. And like, I, I don't know why. Maybe it'd be doing better in a more normal year for him. But um, but uh, no, it's, it's an absolutely it's sensational listening. I kind of get the vibe from Keen or Keen that he's kind of like, okay to kind of fly under the radar a tiny bit you know what I mean he's like he's um he's you know he's making music and he's putting it out and kind of getting leaving he's like putting it down and letting people pick it up if they want you know what I mean which you know works fine to a certain extent but yeah it'd be great to see more people um get on his balls but like I do think that like obviously Kojak's releasing another album next year and it's kind of like after hearing that single it's kind of probably being set up to be like a really big thing is what I feel like I feel like next that, that Kojak album next year is going to be huge and I think that people will find Keen through that as well yeah it's so. a completely different sound as well but that's kind of what's yeah. so good about um about soft boy records I think they just do uh so much good stuff like we're probably not going to mention it so I better better say it now uh Gap Tooth put out uh he's a he's a cork producer he put out a very short album I think it's like 19 minutes in like January or February but that's a brilliant release like it's just so such good quality yeah, I I didn't even think of it as an album actually when you mentioned it. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned it a few days ago or in, when we were texting or something. But uh, that's great. But yeah, I I sort of thought of it. It's funny how some things can be mixtapes and some things can be albums, but <laughs> that runs for quite a short period of time. It feels like uh, a sort of an EP almost uh, more than an album. But it's really good though. Yeah. So so yeah, Kian Kavanagh, um, that dog person. That's my uh, album of the year. Keelan, what's your uh, number one favourite album of the year? Um, yeah, so my number one album, it uh, sounds, uh, it fits in with the rest of my top five. Uh, but actually, I didn't think this was an, a release from this year. It turns out it was released uh, in the first two weeks of the year, uh, which is Aoife Nessa Francis's um, Land of No Junction, which is a fun... That's my number one too. That's your number one. Nice. That's my number one. Woo. Oh, wow. This has never happened before. I, I love it. I listened to it it's kind of rare that something comes out in January and you're still sort of listening to it as much in December. I would have been a little bit aware of Aoife's music maybe 
but as as the end of 2019 a few singles were coming out i was getting really excited about it it has a, a buzz of kind of um a couple of albums that i would have been into more recently like uh, why is blood or how do you say it <laughs> why is why is blood why is blood why is blood there's that kind of vibe off it this the songwriting i think again is the thing that stands out a uh, few tracks uh like the first three tracks are almost just like one two three bangers geranium uh a song called blow up and here in the dark i think they might have actually been the three tracks that were released in advance and then yeah the rest of it really just flows in in a similar manner and it's really strong songwriting and the production's really good there's just again similar to the um to the Dave Regan album there's lots of little instrumentation things that happen that it takes you almost 10 listens to hear them and and they're again they're little treats for you when when you kind of finally <laughs> hear them in the background or um it's really nice i think i can't remember there's a, a someone who wrote viola parts for it and the, the viola and the string parts uh, across the album are a highlight as well i would say it set the tone as well for the type of albums that i then listen to for the rest of the year like a few of your albums owen that were hip-hop and i would usually listen to a lot more hip-hop in a calendar year than i listened to this year but it just uh <laughs> with what's been happening wasn't what went on for me <laughs> so yeah this really set the tone for my year and i think it's a beautiful album it's probably up until recently the only thing i had bought and was playing Oh, actually, I will do a special mention to uh, Cormac O'Keefe, but I've had those two albums on my um, CDs. I, I'm buying CDs again, guys. Um, e- e- Vanessa Francis played Quarter Block Party earlier this year as well, didn't she? Oh, my God, that was this year. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was like a, a Sunday early evening, I'm going to say. Her and, her and Elaine Howley. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a really special show, and that, that was... Uh, that kind of opened up the album a little bit for me um i i've i've dipped back into it over the course of the year but yeah you can tell that like a lot of love went into uh even as france's debut album Oh, 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 
it's it's really great. Ashling, you, you it's on your list as well. What do you feel about yeah, it? Yeah, I actually just found found the record. Oh, nice. This, this, this is how official I'm like, this is my number one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great cover um, as well. It's great. It's it's such beautiful artwork. Um, the Yeah, the strings were arranged by uh, who I was thinking of, Alva Ni. Oh, I'm going to say this so badly. Ortig, um, who is kind of like, has, has do, does a lot of kind of stuff as well. He's uh, just an incredible person. And has such a, a gorgeous way of arranging strings. And I think the one of the really um, standout sounds on this as well is like the kind of synths and organ stuff going on in the background, which is um, a lot. Uh, Brendan Jenkinson played a lot of those who um, used the um, Maria Somerville album as well and does a lot of work with David Keogh and now plays live with Ethan Essa Francis as well um, so um, I love I think they they collaborate really well together Aoife and uh, Brendan but yeah these songs um, are absolutely gorgeous I think I think the reason why it doesn't feel like it's released this year is because we may have been listening to it last year Keelan because I think Aoife oh. may have like sent it for us to have a little sneaky listen to and I I think she I think she may have sent it to me like even like longer than a year ago and I was just listening to it so much by the time it came out I was like yeah everyone it is great <laughs> um it's like as you were saying like uh here in the dark is such a standout absolute banger and then the more times you listen to it the more you're like would well, blow up is the best song and then you're like but no dream and then Libra and there's just I love albums like that that like you go into it listening to one song on repeat and then the more you go into it you like the your favorite song just like hops around until you realize every song in the album has been your favorite song yeah I thought her other voices performance uh, a week ago or two weeks ago whenever that was was really good as well uh, like I didn't actually get to see her I forgot that we that had her quarter block party um because it feels like 25 years ago but i would have been running around so i didn't it was the performance i was probably looking forward to the most that weekend and i didn't get to see it so actually the first time i then got to see her live was last weekend on other voices i was uh, very excited to see it and um yeah just thought it was it's yeah it's just been a, a great thing to have accompanying me <laughs> over the last 12 months it, this album feels like to me when you're like hung over on a sunday morning but it's the kind of hangover where you're you had a really good night the night before and you wake up and you're happy, but you're like, OK, now I'm tired because I drank a lot, but I'm content and I'm going to like it's the perfect level of warmth within a duvet, mm. you know, <laughs> I exactly know what you mean. <laughs> it's a it's a great cozy album. <laughs> yeah, it's very cozy. And yeah, I, this weird analogy came to mind, but it feels sort of like if you went to a. A, a market on a Sunday and just bought a weird old vase and then it's like an old vase that you just really love you know and it's like I don't know I just picked that up somewhere it's it it has that feeling of it for me it's it's part of your I don't know living room furniture or something it's it's gonna stand the test of time uh, yeah I, th- I think I, uh, I think this album I think it's one that um people will come to kind of in their own time and they'll kind of uh they'll kind of figure it out um so yeah I really enjoyed that that was our, our top five favorite uh albums uh of the year um Keen Kavanagh and Double Up uh Ethan Asa Francis um so that's great um I'll, I'll just give my international albums just so just so people know I've kind of been I've kind of mentioned them before um, 
constantly talking about them all. So Taylor Swift Folklore, number five. Sufjan Stevens, The Ascension, number four. Fiona Apple, uh, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, number three. Phoebe Bridgers, uh, Punisher, number two. And Waxahachie, St. Cloud is my number one. I, I've talked about uh, St. Cloud on um, the podcast already. So uh, that's why I decided to do an Irish Albums of the Year. But um, just a quick mention. I just think it's an absolutely superb album. Uh, it's kind of dealing with her sobriety, her newfound sobriety and uh it ju- it just feels very much like a heart on sleeve kind of album so it's it's got that country uh tinge running through it as well and i think it's uh it's amazing wakahachi isn't someone whose back catalog i'm that familiar with i did go back and listen to the first album and the second album and uh very much lo-fi affairs nothing like this which is uh which is just pristine country pop and i'd highly recommend the song exploder episode uh with her when they're talking about fire which is just a sensational song so uh yeah that's my that's that's probably my overall favorite uh album of the year um but yeah you you have two more albums that you want to mention ashley yeah just um i I feel bad that i didn't put them in the list (laughs) they were the ones that i was like juggling around for ages but they are uh run the jewels rtj4 which came out this year. It feels like it happened a million years ago. Um, I know. Can I do the? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. It looks exactly like the album cover. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, again, um, what I loved about Run the Jewels was that they moved their album release up and gave it to people for free. And they asked the people donate to the Black Lives Matter movement. And they raised like thousands of dollars to donate to that cause, which was great. Um, but this album, it's like when the Jews have been talking about a lot of things that have kind of read people's beans in the last year with the Black Lives Matter movement. And I feel like that this album, especially, it was written a year beforehand, but like, literally it sounded like it was written the day that it was released because it reflected so much of what was going on um in global news it's just a really fun album like they just um the love that run the jewels have for each other like when you go see them live like i always talk about the fact that like you know killer mike and lp will kind of like walk around the stage but they'll always try and like stay together and if they kind of get too far apart one of them is like where did you go you know they're always like they're just best friends and that's like a lovely thing because there's so many bands that fucking hate each other and you can hear it in the music sometimes whereas with run the jewels you can just hear that love um and it just there's just some absolute bangers on there and if you haven't listened to it i would go back and revisit it because it's just such a great album and then the other one is uh junk drawers year of the sofa because oh no sorry ready for the house is the name of the album year of the sofa is the song um year of the sofa being one of my favorite songs of the year i just think um ready for the house again such an apt title for this year i don't know how they managed to predict what was going to happen but they did because that was an album that came out quite early in lockdown as well and um it was at around the time of one of the first Bandcamp fridays so um i just remember everyone kind of like talking about how great it was and um it was one that like grew on me throughout the year and it was one that i just kind of go back and listen to on walks again and just kind of strolling around the place and it's just a fucking great guitar album you know, it's really fun. It's really interesting and like a laugh and, but also just like some really great melodies and guitar playing going on there. So big shout out to the, the junkie drawery boys. (laughs) (laughs) 
I I have a few little mentions as well, but there's one thing I really want to talk about uh, before we finish up. Uh, there's a few th- like I love the here's my f- extra folk things that didn't make the list, but um, uh, Cormac O'Keeve, who's a Cork uh, based artist, and I think like probably he would be the first to say isn't in the cool cool club. Uh, people wouldn't really know him from any cool places. But he d- he he's a he got kind of like arty. Um, album of the week at one point and stuff so he, he's done quite well but it's a it's a beautiful album he played the Kino at one point and i'd never heard of him uh his drummer martin leahy who's quite kind of well known in cork uh plays bass and drums at the same time and sings so that's really cool to watch live uh yeah the bonnie light horseman album which i heard kind of late in the year but i think came out quite a while ago features uh Inez mitchell who also did a song with mick flannery this year and it's kind of um uh, and it's got members of Fruit Bats on it. It's kind of a, a sort of a super group come together to do kind of old folk songs record. Um, so that's really nice as well. But I think I can't finish up if we don't talk about Gemma Dunleavy's Up the Flats. Oh my God. Because it's, it's on my list of songs that we need to get to. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I yeah. think up there, like with the Laura Merling album being like what I my album that I listen to the most, I think the Gemma Dunleavy EP, I guess, or I, again, I get confused about what's mixtapes and what's EPs. But um, that came out during the summer and really loved it. And I was like telling everyone about it. And it was it, because, because there's no concerts to go to or people to see. I didn't know if anyone else was listening to this like amazing piece of work. And then one day I was cleaning my sitting room and i heard like the house across the road playing up the flats and was like yes yes it's everyone's listening to it um and yeah it's really great and again very lucky got to see her perform the keynote during the summer and um it's just so oh it was brilliant it was so good because she it was it's probably a show that you'll never get to see again because everyone had to sit in their seats and everyone had to be quiet and you couldn't it wasn't like a rowdy gig where I think, you know, the music is kind of like garage house kind of pop stuff. So most likely that's going to be the case when you go see her live will be kind of a dancey kind of atmosphere. But it was, you know, if, if people have listened to the EP, they'll know it's it's about where she comes from. It's about Sheriff Street in Dublin. It's about kind of her neighbours and her the people she grew up with. And it's a really authentic album or EP or piece of work. And it's like something I haven't actually heard in, it's it's a rare kind of find, but it's really not something I've heard in Ireland. And to hear like just like genuine working class voices in, in Irish pop songs, again, should be on the radio. Up the Flats is like a radio made song. I'm talking long days of my nights, rolling over to the next blue light through my window. Help me to come down. Always feel at home with you. Could never feel alone with you. No, 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 no. No one understands how it feels to be with you. And I'm never looking back no more. They said we had nothing, but we had it all. Shouting up the flats from the rooftop. Shouting up the flats from the rooftop. What's crazy about it is that, like, it sounds like it's straight out of London 2001. Like, you know, it sounds like it could have been on, like, uh, I don't know, mixtapes from Dizzy Rascal and and his whole gang back in 2001. But it sounds so fresh. Uh, like, I, I have it as my favorite um, Irish song of the year as well. I can't get enough of it. It's so good, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's, it's brilliant. And uh, actually, now that you said the garage thing, the uh, for those I love, although it's only on YouTube, I don't know <laughs> what, you, what you count that as, but that's a great 
uh, authentic sounding album that has that kind of mid 2000s garagey London sound as well. She's been around for a while. She did that uh, great Chain of Fools uh, edit with Frank B years ago. She's been, you know, she's again, someone who's kind of taken her time to get to this point. And I think actually Brendan Jenkinson produced this EP as well. Yeah, Just the the guitar line I think on up the flats is is Brenda Jenkinson I think. Gold star for Jen Brendan Jenkinson. Brendan Jenkinson. <laughs> but uh, what I really love is that like not only is she is she a working class voice, but she's also like even in this early stage of her career, constantly talking about working class issues and trying to bring to light things that you you know if you're not from that area if you're not from sheriff street you might not be aware that these people who have grown up in these flats and have lived there their whole lives are being pushed out um and i think that that's really important as we see more artists kind of like you know um adapting their adapting these kind of accents within their songs i think that it's also really important that they are um actually backing that up with representing the where they're coming from you yeah, know totally i that's exactly what i felt from it it's why i kind of <laughs> fell in love with it at first was like i know i know this kind of um when people try to do this type of thing and it's not done well i think that's her like great artistry is really bringing together other people's voices and representing them um but also something that's kind of universal in what you like I, I felt like I knew exactly when I listened to Up the Flats, it like really touched me and um, in, a, in a way that was like, I understand exactly this. It's, it's, maybe it was, it was like, I, felt, I, I grew up this way too, but it, it was not on Sheriff Street, you know what I mean? Like in a, in yeah. a much, you know, a different place or whatever, but it felt so universal in its, in its tonality as well. But I think it's just such a welcoming song and it's a, a welcoming thing that like, you know, you know, if you did go to these flats in Sheriff Street, you'd be welcomed in the same way that this song takes you into Sheriff Street and shows you exactly what this is all, all about. And like, I think that it's I think that it's something that, um, you know, because like there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of working class artists that maybe had to hide their working classness in the past because it wasn't it wasn't the cool thing. And I think that it's really important that we um I, I, out to me, it's an important thing that um, if you're representing working class people, that you're also like being an activist for that, that as well, because there's, there can like you know you see things that have become popular uh, through fashion within you know that have that were once chastised, and um, it's uh, yeah, I think I think I could have a whole other podcast about this, but I just think it's uh, what I love about Gemma is that she really is. Um, like doing act like being an activist for that area so yeah um just as we're kind of doing uh doing a kind of a a general roundup uh just some other things that i wanted to mention were uh kojak schmelly is uh, uh probably my second favorite uh irish song of the year that came out kind of via youtube via the colors um series on uh youtube um kojak is someone who very much has that visual thing uh at the forefront of his mind and i think that the the thing that he did just this um performance up against a green screen was really great but that song is uh is absolutely brilliant as well my favorite international song of the year is uh a bit of a curveball that i i 
um, got through Annie Mack's radio show, particularly on Friday night on Radio 1. I found myself really, really enjoying them over the course of the year. They've kind of been the um, the thing I've been looking forward to, uh, you know, at the, at the end of my week. It's kind of like, you know how all of these days at home, working from home and everything, they've kind of bled into one. But uh, Friday nights have been my, my favorite thing. Uh, even though I'm still working and everything, I'm able to to turn up Annie Mac that little bit louder on Friday night. And Moment in the Sun is the name of the track. It's by an American band called Sunflower Bean. And it's a it's a perfect three minute pop song which i absolutely love so um yeah they're from new york city um and that that's just my favorite uh song of the year um but i guess we can't finish up our, our roundup of 2020 without talking about cmat the uh one of the stars of the year um i interviewed her at quarter block party uh before she had released anything before she had even played a show that weekend um and ever since then it's just been you know uh an, a very very much an upward curve for cmat she's released uh three tracks i've got my own personal favorite i wonder if uh if we each have picked a different uh favorite cmat song as our favorite my favorite one is uh rodney anyway Why do you hate me? Why? Why do you hate me? Why? Why do you hate me? Oh, why do you hate me? Why do you? Why do you know I stumbled on X for you? I generally did what you asked me to. I still. Mine is is cowboy and purely because uh, yeah I I have to for full discretion uh, see Matt is is one of my closest is a really close pal of mine and um, is someone that myself and Keelan have known for years and I think we both again in the same way of Denise we've both been waiting for this moment for all of this stuff to get unleashed on the world and for everyone to realise how fucking brilliant this <laughs> this woman is. Obviously, when KFC came out, like I adore KFC, Rodney. I, I actually, you know what? The three of them are my joint favorite song of the year. Like I, I can't stop singing them in my head. I, um, yeah, they're just. I would, I, I would happily listen to the three of those songs on a loop for hours and not get sick. I'd be like, when is when is Cowboy coming back on? You know, but I think what I loved about the the selection of singles that she released this year because there's there's some more songs coming next year that are going to blow the head off everyone but with uh i liked that there was kind of like um a real it's like it's showing exactly like everything that she is the kind of the the funny the self-deprecation and weird pop with rodney and then you get to cowboy which is this just big emotional banger which has all of these brilliant lines and i think everyone is like honed in on the always a cowboy never a cow one but i think there's some there's there's another one which is which really when I did my two weeks isolation when I got back from London really identified with is um there ain't no ranch to roam inside my room 
I think that she's just she's someone who's so passionate about songwriting and like you know you've you've interviewed her own like she's a fan of so many things she's such a dedicated fan of music of pop culture and she she genuinely loves and wants to know everything about everything you know if she has an interest in like you know Japanese novels she'll read all of them and she'll read every single wiki like she knows so much you just sit down and chat to her and she's just like know so much about so many things um and I think that that really reflects in the songwriting and yeah I'm yeah again again like Denise I'm just so delighted that people have embraced her with open arms I knew they would you know like you know I saw her at Quarter Black Party this year and it was actually my first time seeing those songs live I'd seen the the videos online and stuff but when I saw her there and she did a couple of shows over the weekend I was just like this is it like this is the last time we're going to see her now in a room with a couple of people like it's 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 over like this intimacy is over because there's going to be thousands of people the next time I see her um and it's just fun like she did that that live stream of her eating all of those chicken things from KFC was just honestly like I rang her afterwards being like do I need to like call a fucking ambulance to your head it was just so funny she is really serious about what she does but she just has such a laugh doing it and she will take you along with her. And that's such a lovely thing about a pop star. So yeah, I'm, I love her. I think she's great. Yeah. I, it's funny that you mentioned quite a black party because I, now that I'm remembering it all those years, I mean, 10 months ago or whatever, but like it is gas to think like, I think we booked her to play two shows that weekend. And like, do you know she's just everyone knows who she is at the time i was like everyone was like who should you ski i was like oh do you know like you could tell everyone if they were into whatever type of music whatever they were into or whoever i met that weekend i was like you're all gonna love cmat so you should just go like no one took my advice yeah idiots. <laughs> not to be rad not to be ratting out that that's it no one went to see one of in particular one of cmat's there was two gigs you know i ran over to see the start of one and it was like three people in the room and i was like oh god i really thought like three of us yeah three of us were in the room (laughs) um and so it's just really funny to think back like that's a classic quarter block party thing to do is to book someone when nobody knows who they are (laughs) and then they go on to do a really good job so yeah i'd say um similarly uh went to see her then the next day i think maybe i was doing sound for that show actually and rodney was the thing you know like she put down the guitar and just had the backing track on like an iPod or something and was like okay now I'm gonna do the song and it, it was just like a highlight for me of the weekend was to see someone say like so you think you know me well you got it wrong I also do this um yeah and what Ashley said is very like she takes everything super seriously like her songwriting really seriously but doesn't take its presentation she doesn't take life too seriously you know she takes all the things that all that she needs to take seriously and that's a great quality of hers as well I'm not sure when this is going. This podcast is going to come out, but I think it would be very silly if anyone listening did not watch the Christmas special, which is coming out on the seventeenth, because like just from talking to her over the last few months, she's been consumed by this this project. <laughs> so I have no doubt that it's probably going to be one of the funniest things we're all going to watch this year. The special she's doing uh, at, at Whelan's um, featuring loads of uh, loads of special guests. Sounds like it'll yeah. be a uh, good crack. 
also can we talk about her and junior brothers collaboration i don't know if you oh uh, man that was like the live stream that i missed and uh i saw i saw it afterwards people were talking about it and i was like feck it anyway i missed this um yeah please please talk about it the the junior brother and cmash collaboration i think is one of the most exciting prospects for 2021 i really hope that they're creating a duets album because i think it's what we all deserve after going through this year i think that they both have a very similar way of approaching or like they their their lyrical content is is quite similar even though the songs sound quite different and I think they're both very smart writers and um, which is why I think it's it's a match made in heaven. But let's see if you can hear this. Or no. It's not Cabin. It's Carlo. And it's... The, the context of this is that I thought the lyric was about Cabin. Haven't got a penny so I can't get a car loan. Going on foot we'd get to Carlo. And that seems like a waste of anyone's time. <laughs> oh my god limited edition so content Ashling. it's so good and it's uh yeah so i really hope that that's something that can develop into um a full like uh variety show like kind of like a traveling troubadour <laughs> kind of situation where they're in like a little caravan like traveling around the country kind of like a wanderly wagon situation that's what i want the duet had a uh, Father Ted kind of. <laughs> Are we allowed to say things have a Father Ted vibe to them anymore? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, less said about that, the better. <laughs> no, yeah, well, yeah. one of the gigs that I was sad to see cancelled was CMAT at uh, Connolly's on Halloween night. Me and Breed were planning on making the uh, making the trip down. Breed was going to dress as a cowboy and I was going to dress as a cow. And I thought that, that would be really great. <laughs> You need to do that for, you just need to do that the for next like Z-Match show. Years. That's a great idea. I'm going to dress as Rodney Dangerfield for the next one. And I'll, I'll be KFC. I'll be Colonel <laughs> Sanders. No bother. But like the Mario Lopez version of <laughs> Colonel Sanders from that Lifetime movie where C-Mac got snubbed for doing the soundtrack. <laughs> There's two more tiny little things that are connected that I want to mention, um, which is uh, Male Song Laundries that came out a few months ago is um, an excellent sonic experience male being uh connie from who's also fears and uh jamie who's kaskara and there's roisin and i'm really sorry i don't know the other two people involved but um it's uh it's just such a great punk song it's a really good punk offering with um a different voice that isn't it's not five lads playing guitars let's just say and uh <laughs> We didn't actually get to that. Owen said, you said that we could, uh, you, you'd agree with us that, uh, finally agree with us that Fontaine's can be left left behind. Uh, yeah, we haven't mentioned The Hero's Death. Uh, I think it was a disappointing album. Um, uh, I, I know it's been doing really well. I mean, it's up for a Grammy, but uh, yeah, it didn't really, I, I don't think it's as good as the first album. I feel like I'm the only person who feels that way, though. It's been doing great. Um, no, I don't, I don't like either of them. So, you know. <laughs> I definitely, I, anyway. I, I'll throw my two cents in. I felt like the anxiety of a second album. It was a, cl- it's a classic second album. You can feel the sort of anxiety of wanting it to be something, whether it is that or not, uh, from it. Recorded too quickly after the debut album. They say that they, they dumped the first version of it as well. It was recorded in LA and recorded this in London instead. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a fine, like, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, a 
on the Fontaine's hating side of the camp, but I'm certainly uh, I'm yet to be kind of overawed by them, and that album uh, was definitely not as good as the first one. <laughs> um, back to good music. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that male tune, if you haven't listened to it, is great. It's called Laundries, and they did a set at uh, the Spilt Milk Festival, the virtual festival last weekend, which was just really good fun. It was like um, a live set that they had recorded before and they put visuals to. And I'm really excited to hear um what can what's going to come from them next and then similarly i'm actually really sad that uh fear's new single hasn't come out yet so that so we can't talk about it but uh tanta i think will be is released next next week sometime um and it's such a beautiful song now i am completely biased and i will say that because there might be two billboards of me in dublin right now wearing a gourd sorry uh <laughs> connie is a very also a very close friend of mine and someone who i've become really good friends with throughout this year has like gotten me through so much shit this year along with cmat and lubru we have a little group chat that keeps me alive <laughs> and um we were all part of her music video for this song called tanta which is a gorgeous tribute to her grandmother who had dementia and it's all it's a song about about that and about kind of um memories coming in and going and um and what she did for the project was that um she made each of us dresses so she she makes these beautiful dresses out of tulle which you've probably seen all over social media and um she made one for each of us because her grandmother taught her to sew and uh it's just the whole project was such a beautiful thing we filmed it uh during the summer when restrictions weren't um as tight as they are now so it was okay that we were all in a field at the same time it was just such a fun thing to get to do i'm really excited i think that tanta is a bit of a sneak into what's coming next for fears and um i just think it's it's uh, it's a gorgeous product she also played at that show with cmat it, uh, it was a banging lineup party. it was great yeah only three of us saw it <laughs> so and you know um, Ultramond were who also had a great album this year were the third band on the bill yeah I yeah. know I know I was there well. <laughs> but uh yeah I'm uh so like uh Connie is an extremely ridiculously hard-working person and uh has also started a record label as well in the last uh couple of months called Tool Collective and um <clears throat> it's uh yeah, I'm. I'm like the the projects that she's working on are great, and I'm excited to see what more. I think 2021 will be a big year for all of those. Is there any more music that you want to mention, Keelan, before we wrap it up? Ariana Grande album. Most people don't like it. I actually really like it. Uh, but it's great. Um, how uh, someone I got into from Ariana Grande a few years ago was Troy Savan, and he released an EP which is is like the luscious sounding, really just really sexy sounding ep and um, another thing that people don't like that i've actually gotten into late in the day is the haim album uh, a band that i really didn't have that much time for but um this women in music is, part three yeah it, it's definitely like wall-to-wall bangers it's kind of like they i felt like maybe they couldn't decide which way to go in the past and then this this one was like let's just be that band from la who make wall-to-wall bangers and uh, it really is like better for that <laughs> i think so yeah they're my three things that i kind of haven't been listening to like the whole way through but uh have got me kind of excited to keep listening to at the moment 
Yeah. Um, and, and just to finish up, uh, two of my favorite moments in music this year, they're not even in music, two of my favorite moments in pop culture this year are one, during the first lockdown, I finally binge watched Better Call Saul, um, all five, five seasons um, in about a month, uh, which unbelievable show, possibly better then uh, Breaking Bad will we'll, uh, find out when the final season is released, hopefully in 2021, maybe even 2022. But um, there's a brilliant scene. I think it's in the eighth episode where uh, they're walking through the desert and uh, suddenly it turns into a montage and it's um, backed with uh, Labby Sifra's I Got The, which is also the song that's used, you know, as the Eminem um, sample in uh, My Name Is. And that came on and I've been listening to that throughout the year. It's an unbelievably lush tune uh it it goes through like three or four different changes and it's just sensational so that's uh one of my favorite uses of music in a television show this year and i have a second one as well it's uh ll cool j's i'm bad which featured in the last dance uh the michael jordan documentary on netflix slash espn and when that comes on it's kind of uh soundtracking michael jordan's initial like oh, hang on, he might be the greatest player uh, in the NBA right now. And uh, it's just an absolutely brilliant mix of song to uh, to um, montage as well. So those are two uh, standout music slash pop culture slash TV moments uh, for me this year. And I guess that, that kind of brings us to the end of, uh, of our roundup of 2020. I don't know if you want to get into funding or anything like that. Top tips for uh, top tips of funding. I think we're at Leave it, it where it is. Leave it where it is. I think we're, we're running out of time, end, guys. End the podcast. <laughs> uh, so yeah, listen, I really enjoyed um, chatting to you guys uh, for about the guts of two hours. Um, so yeah. fair play if anyone has stuck with us this long. Fair play Good if anybody job. has has stuck with uh, twenty twenty this long as well. So listen, th- <laughs> thanks a lot for um, for the chats, guys. Really, really enjoyed um, enjoyed hearing you talk about music like I always do, and I look forward to doing it again, um, both in person, hopefully in the next uh, few weeks, maybe. Yeah, let's get let's get a mulled wine. Mm. Let's get a mulled wine and sit outside in the cold. And uh, drinking and outside not, is bold, Ashling. Actually, <laughs> and and if not, uh, d- uh, this time, same time, uh, same Zoom Zoom call in uh, twenty twenty one. Yeah, we're we're not doing it. We're not doing it over Zoom in twenty twenty one. We can't <laughs> can't be the reality of December twenty twenty one. Please, God. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, so yeah, thanks a lot for listening and, uh, see you in, uh, 2021. Oh, hopefully fingers crossed. Bye. 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 <laughs>